0: Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff. Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from the sexy Armand and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. sun shining on you the cinderella step in your shoe i'll be your non-stop lover get it while you can your non-stop miracle i'm your man
1: So, Matt, I just got done washing my hair with a product called Salon Selectives.
2: Salon Selectives.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think I'm going to watch a TV program called Just the Ten of Us.
2: <laughs> Coach
1: Lovick. <laughs> Later on, maybe I'll take in a movie. Roger Rabbit, maybe.
2: How about Crocodile Dundee, 2 Oh, <laughs> <laughs> come on. All this stuff. What year are we in? We are in 1988.
1: That we are. Mm-hmm. Tonight on the Purple Stuff Podcast, 1988.
2: A big year for me, a big year for you, a big year for Jake the Snake's pet snake, Damien. (laughs) And Elizabeth taking her skirt off in front of Madison Square Garden. (laughs) Oh, that's right, of the uh, the inaugural SummerSlam pay-per-view. Yeah, it really was a good year. 1988 is one of those weird years where it doesn't feel like there's that one thing to identify it with. Right. But there's still a lot going on.
1: Yeah, I felt the same way. Absolutely. Because once you look at some of the episodes we've done, you definitely see certain things here and there that define the year totally. And this is one of those years that, you know, you may not remember it offhand. Because if you go to somebody and say, hey, tell me something from 1988, they may not be able to just drop something right out of nowhere.
2: Right. Well, I mean, except for twins, because that really was the biggest thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, twins, Mm.
2: twins, and Willow, (laughs) Willow. Yeah, I'm looking at a list of the top 20 films of '88, and that's not even (laughs) that doesn't even make it. And they got Friday the 13th for fucking seven on there. Yeah, and the Beach Boys came back with Kokomo. Oh my God, you know, (laughs) I can't believe we're not going to talk about Kokomo when we get into the meat of this podcast because that was. Fucking huge for me. Huge,
1: yeah. Uncle Jesse played drums on that song,
2: right? And he legitimized those those old bastards. And made all <laughs> us like second graders be like, "Those Beach Boys, those are fucking awesome dudes. <laughs> they are." My family had this like novelty ukulele that nobody played. It was just sort of out as a decoration. Yeah. And I used to lock myself in my bedroom, put on the cassette, and play that ukulele along with Kokomo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no fucking joke. I'm serious. No, I believe
1: you. I just want a. I want a VCR tape of that. Oh, jeez. Me and my cousin and my sister went to Six Flags Great Adventure, and they used to have a recording studio at Six Flags inside the theme park. Right. And you can go in and cut your own cassette tapes to popular music, and we did Kokomo. That's how big <laughs> this song was. <laughs> oh, do you have that tape? I think I do. I really do. Okay. It's unfortunate, but I do. So tonight, we're going to get into some of the high points for each of us in 1988.
2: Mm-hmm. Six for me, six for you. It's going to be a hullabaloo. And I'm... <laughs> that was completely ad-libbed. <laughs> I'm going to challenge you to go first this time. All right, I will go first because uh, you went first last time, I think. I'm so. tired of going first of all the time.
1: 1988, here's my first pick.
0: Number one. You looking for me? What a bombshell! What a star! A Here's dinner! What a cut! Fire Fire. Fire. We ought to have one of these every year! Elvira! Mistress of the Dark! Rated PG 13, special sneak preview Saturday, September 24th. Check your newspaper. For time and
1: My first pick from 1988 was seeing the movie Elvira, Mistress of the Dark with my mom at the movie theater. <laughs> oh my god so and this was a pg-13 movie elvira's first big screen film about the character
2: elvira right and oh, i can't believe you saw that in theaters i love that movie i just didn't know that you saw it i at was the
1: movies i was really an obsessive kid and but what can i say that i haven't already said about elvira on the purple stuff podcast you know? <laughs> i can
2: attest you've said it all
1: Yeah, I said it all. And for those who don't know, real quick synopsis, it's one of those movies that has a lot of tropes in it. So one of the old stories is like the inheritance story where Elvira gets an inheritance from her aunt, her great aunt.
2: Which brings her to this little hick town, which is another trope. Exactly. And there's a recipe a book of spells
1: and and then there's like her uncle Vincent, he's evil, and there's a, a house that needs to be fixed up where the kids help her right. <laughs> to fix it up and Kurt Fuller is in it, who's the real estate agent.
2: He's Brell mm-hmm. from the No Home, Buff <laughs> and there's a guy from Wayne's <laughs> World. Ghostbusters too. Yeah, God, I love <laughs> Kurt Fuller. He's yeah. just a man. Why isn't everyone making a big deal of him? I mean he's
1: Kurt he's, Fuller's like an icon.
2: Yeah, there needs to be much more said online about Mr. Fuller. Totally. And the wizard master from Nightmare on Elmstreet Park. He was. And
1: Mrs. Poole was in it too. Yeah, Edie McClurg was in that. But I mean, like, let's be honest. I didn't give two shits about the plot. There were key scenes in this movie that I needed to see. Uh, for instance, there was one scene where Elvira's changing before bed and she's taking off her clothes and then she goes off to bed with this skimpy lingerie on and whatnot. So that was one of those key scenes that, of course, you know, was a, a real grabber for me.
2: Yeah, and I think I could guess the other one.
1: Well, I'm going to get to that, but (laughs) (laughs) I will say that I think one of the focal points that doesn't get talked about enough about this movie is that there's a scene where
2: they're having this picnic. Oh, God, the picnic. Doesn't it like turn into an orgy?
1: Yeah, it turns into an orgy. But before that. It's basically like a jackpot for you and I. There is a special pie that gets made. It's called the Tic Tac Pie, which is basically looks like a chocolate mousse pie with like Tic Tacs dropped on top of it. <laughs> yep. yep. And Edie McClurg is drinking Apple Slice.
0: We got the juice and it's paradise. Taste the real apple in Apple
2: Slice. Oh my God, that's right. He's drinking Apple Slice and it's one of a those little more- AS for the EM. <laughs>
1: i watched that and i'm like oh apple slice
2: man i just need a gif of eating, drinking an apple slice <laughs>
1: so uh the finale of the film you know you would you would think basically almost seeing elvira's boobs would be like the finale but no it's in las vegas and she's doing this big las vegas production and what finale could there be better than her shaking her titty tassels yes. or I don't know how I could say that.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what, I, I think that's what people call them online. Basically, she had like a pasty. Yeah. But the pasty has like frills and stuff hanging off of it. Yeah. And she's shaking them around. Like, yeah. And, and, and it was like to but me, But like in full circular motion for like a minute, not like just for a second. Like it was the whole point of the scene was that she, she could do this. Yeah. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like happenstance during a performance. The whole performance was this just these spinning nipple tassels.
1: Right. If you so as an 8-year-old kid, you can imagine it was like remember when the penguin was would turn his umbrella in Batman returns and you'd get mesmerized. <laughs> so, I'm an 8-year-old kid looking at this like with my jaw like just hanging open and I just couldn't believe that was the absolute climax
2: for me, Matt. Literally, I think. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, what a great frickin' movie. I'm so glad you brought this one up. It's one of those 80s movies where you're
1: never going to get a movie like this. It's almost like a, like a female version of Pee-wee's Big Adventure almost.
2: I've know. never heard that comparison before. It makes total sense.
1: Yeah. So there you go. Good
2: pick. Thank you.
0: Unpleasant Dream. Number two. It's the only oatmeal in the whole wide world. You can squeeze out
2: the fun. You can give it a swirl. Make a strawberry smile. Make a milk chocolate swirl. Oatmeal swirlers. You can give it a swirl. Oatmeal swirlers. Oh. Oatmeal, swirlers. oatmeal <laughs> swirlers. Made by General Mills. They came out in 1988, and they took the world by storm by turning oatmeal into art. <laughs> Are you? I'm like, you don't sound excited enough. You don't sound genuine in that laughter.
1: I'm going to tell you, I'm almost not surprised by this because
2: you talk about oatmeal swirlers all the time. Oh, like, so you're is... saying this has just become old hat to you, my old yeah. swirler speech. Yeah,
1: the old oatmeal swirlers. Well, you know, the rest of the world hasn't heard it. <laughs> so that's why so we need- you can, can you just fake it for the sake of the audience? <laughs> I want to hear it because I
2: have a feeling you're going to hit me with some stuff I haven't heard yet. All right. So here's the setup. All right. You get these uh, regular packets of instant oatmeal, and they're plain, and they're ordinary, and they're just boring as fuck. (laughs) But then General Mills also gives you these little pouches filled with what were essentially melted fruit (laughs) roll-ups. So, I mean, already, if you think about a pouch full of melted fruit roll-ups, aren't you, like, in? Oh, totally in, yeah. Right. But the idea was that you could use that pouch to spread the jelly shit over the oatmeal like it was easy cheese yes. and just drawing it you could draw in your oatmeal a lot of people forget that
1: in the 80s it was like a whole thing about well this is healthy for you but hey we're gonna throw this <laughs> bag of sugar in and ruin the whole yeah, the the nutritional o- value yeah, well that's the thing
2: the oatmeal is for the parents and the red bullshit was a little wink to the kids at the end of the commercial yeah. it's like yeah. <laughs> part of a balanced breakfast Wink. Yeah.
1: your parents are gonna buy this for you because it says oatmeal on it but we really know
2: it's candy right right oh yeah, yeah. The other thing is that they didn't work quite as well as they were advertised to. I mean, it's like steaming hot oatmeal. So if you spread cherry toothpaste over it, like what's going to happen? It's just going to melt. But still, for the briefest of moments, you felt like a combination of Da Vinci and a broodmare. And it was fucking awesome.
1: For someone very creative and artistic like yourself, I could definitely see you probably made a lot of creative things with that uh, red goo.
2: Well, usually what I would happen is, <laughs> not until I was 22, <laughs> what would usually happen is I try to mimic the tic-tac-toe board from the commercials. Yeah. And you couldn't. Yeah. Like first re- of all, you didn't give you enough red shit to make a full tic tac toe board and play. Yeah, I remember buying this and doing the same thing. It was like a big gloppy mess. People who make cakes,
1: you know, you have like a little gun sort of thing that you could. Right. You
2: needed cool. one of those uh pastry pouches. Is that what they're yeah, called? Something
1: like that. Yeah, yeah. At least then you could write your name in cursive.
2: Look, I know you're not so into the oatmeal swirlers, but there are a lot of people out there. (laughs) I don't know where you're getting this from. (laughs) A lot of people out there are gonna flip flip when they get to this section because they I can't believe he's talking about oatmeal swirlers. I love the purple stuff podcast.
1: I thought oatmeal swirlers were great. I just felt like like you said, they were gimmicky. Everything we like is gimmicky.
2: But there's I, nothing you like that isn't gimmicky.
1: I was an oatmeal fan, but I always opted for the peaches and cream and the different flavors that came wow, out. Wow, I could—I mean, that, the that's, apples, that's, apples and cinnamon. With the,
2: a peaches and cream plain oatmeal is disgusting.
1: Apple cinnamon, right? With the little chunks of dried apples, those were fucking amazing.
2: I mean, they were okay, but they, it was an oatmeal swirler. <laughs> The listeners are going to side with me on this.
1: No, I, I'm not.
2: I didn't go against it in any way. I'm okay. with you. Well, I, well, I want to know your letter grade for oatmeal swirlers.
1: Oatmeal swirlers, um, C plus. See, I knew it was be,
2: be a fucking C. C plus. A C plus. A C plus for oatmeal swirlers. <laughs> Do they still make those? No, they were too good and too pure for this world. <laughs>
0: Number
1: three. You know, parents all the same no matter time, no place. They don't understand that us kids are going to make some mistakes. So to you other kids all across the land, there's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. That was DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. With Parents Just Don't Understand from their album. He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. Uh-huh. I wanted to buy this cassette so bad. So I saved my allowance money and my birthday money uh, that year. Saved and... your
2: money for a year to get one
1: fucking <laughs> no, cassette? Not, no, I'm it was to, only- to, like, sweatshop. are going sweatshop and they running over there. <laughs> oh, it was like a few weeks after my birthday, I actually came out. And so Parents Just Don't Understand was the big single. And they also had Nightmare on My Street. Right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's hard to describe just how important this album and the songs and the videos from this album were to me. Because at that time, I was into, like, the Beastie Boys and, and stuff like this. So, uh, save the money. We went to... A place called Tape World in in the mall. Tape right? World. Yeah, and Tape World was this tiny store uh, uh-huh. that had neon blue lights uh, for the sign, and you walk in and you step up two little steps, and then they had like racks and racks of those ginormous plastic freaking security things that had the cassette tapes in them. Do you right. remember this? Of
2: course I do. The okay. whole store looked like fucking Danish ribbons, <laughs> and it was like, oh, literally everything in it cost sixteen ninety nine, no matter what it was. Yeah. And yeah, like they put these tiny little cassettes
1: in these hard plastic things that were like the size of eleven cassette tapes.
2: Yeah, what the fuck is like, with the they were like
1: they were like clothes hangers for a full body suit. <laughs> but the, all they had in them was an audio cassette. <laughs> yes. So like I grabbed that and I marched right to the checkout and I bought it, right? This is the thing. I played this tape. So many times, and I know people could relate to this, that the track listing and all the words wore off both sides yes, of the tape, right.
2: in part, for, you know, you're rubbing your fingers on them all the time. Yeah. And eventually it gets so bad that you just want to scrape it all off on purpose <laughs> to see if you can pull it off. Eventually, all the tape spewed out of the cassette, oh.
1: right? So I had a big, giant mess of tape all that. over the before, you know yeah and i remember having to spool it back together with a pencil and-, <laughs> and eventually i got it all back together and when i went to play it in my boom box it sounded like the chipmunks
2: singing these songs it's <laughs> oh, <that's> the greatest when <laughs> that happens that happens like fairly often you're not making this up because that's happened to me with other tapes yeah it used to happen all the time but on that particular album that's awesome <laughs>
1: I'm <laughs> sorry. So, uh, Parents Just Don't Understand had a really cool video, and a lot of people quote from it, where he's sleeping in—Will uh, Smith is s- sleeping in his bedroom, and his parents come uh, knocking on the door, and they wake him up, and then they have to go school shopping to get him clothes. Right. And, you know, sometimes a music video just went in some weird artistic direction that didn't really coincide with the song. This one was pure by the lyrics. This is exactly how it right. went. Right. When
2: you've written something that gripping, why are you going to be vague? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, why be abstract? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so they weren't really considered to be in the
1: same conversation as like big hip hop stars of the time, but DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, that album. I mean, Nightmare on My Street, I used to play over and over and over again. You know? Yeah,
2: nowadays I play it over and over, <laughs> and over again. I love that song. It's so good. And I actually didn't know it was on that album. To me, I only knew it as an MP3, so. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I wanted the
1: album. That was really, those two songs, I mean, that's probably why the tape came out. Because I would just fast forward to both of those right, songs. Right. You know? God knows
2: how many bullshit songs they sandwiched between them. Exactly. Why all... would they not put those two songs in sequence? <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: Number four. From the director of Fright Night comes the year's most terrifying new movie. Child's Play. it was only make believe. Rated R. Starts Wednesday, November 9th at a theater near you.
2: Child's Play came out in November of 1988. Awesome. Yes, up until that point, I'd really only dabbled in horror movies. But this was like the one for me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't turn down a movie that starred my buddy. Yes. Like right, it was. Yeah. I know. I don't know if it was intentionally the my buddy doll, but Chucky was my buddy.
0: My buddy, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy. My buddy. Wherever I go, he goes. My buddy, my buddy, my yeah. buddy, <laughs> my
1: buddy. <laughs> Originally, I think they were gonna call it uh, Blood Buddy to basically say hey this is based off my buddy
2: listen every time i try to prove this my buddy child's play connection 45 people give me new evidence to shoot me down so i'm not gonna go there (laughs) but for me like there's no way that a movie like this that came out in 1988 two years or so after my buddy was such a big deal and it looked just like my buddy as well yeah he's practically
1: wearing the same clothes let me let me just say this for anyone who does come and try to say that mm. there's one thing that a lot of people who, who are listening may not have is and that's the experience of living through this because i remember being a kid at the time and we knew that that was a direct response right. to this I mean, dog that, that's the <laughs> advantage we
2: have but the yeah. advantage other people have is that they probably listen to some director's commentary on one of the 18 <laughs> dvd releases and they're going to say that's the director himself that had nothing to do with my buddy <laughs> yeah that was like
1: legal they yeah. can't say but it.
2: yeah exactly even if that's true it's still we're still right mm-hmm. yeah i'm with you <laughs> So I did not see this movie in theaters. I was first in line to rent it on video, though. Same. I mean, I guess it was because of the toy connection. And I know Chucky eventually went the way of Freddy Krueger, where he became more, like, jokey than scary. Right. The first movie is, like, legitimately frightening. Absolutely. And I was going to say, one of the
1: reasons why I wasn't able to see that in theaters is because it was a hard sell for me to get someone to take me to a real horror film. Right. Uh, This, in particular, before it came out, word on the street with my friends and all the parents was that this was really scary and when I first saw it like you said on VHS I rented it this was one of those movies and
2: my friends know this it was one of those movies that scared the crap out of me when I was a kid I'm like not kidding yeah I mean, the sequel is my sentimental favorite, but if you're looking for like something that's more of a straight up horror movie that doesn't ever wink at you, mm. this is the one. One thing to
1: remember is that this is also it's not just an '80s thing because I mean, I'm an adult and I still have certain like plush toys hanging around. <laughs> you know, you mean, I mean
2: like two, two hundred?
1: I still have Alf and all that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but like, I never owned a My Buddy
2: Doll back then. Everybody knows somebody who owned a My Buddy Doll.
1: Yeah, but like, say you had like a glow worm back then
2: and it came alive and tried to murder you that shit would
1: be freaky as hell you know so you could everybody could relate to this yeah
2: and i think everyone did because like there was that like maybe two week spread where you kind of ascribed mystical powers to one of your own toys for <laughs> hearing about child's play <laughs> i find that kind of laugh i guess i'm alone in this one i
1: guess well i mean it's obvious yeah. that we need to hear which <laughs> which one
2: i actually believe it wasn't one of my toys but it was this old et plus that belonged to my older brother oh that really? sort of just became like this like fixture downstairs like on the ratty couch in the downstairs room wait you had an et doll that like talked to you and stuff no 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 oh. no it was just like an old. it was like an old shitty et plus where like probably one eye left but it was just always there So I'd only pass it, you know, in the dark at night. And I thought there was something up with it. (laughs) That is creepy. Yeah, we had one eye. (laughs) Yeah. It stared at you with one eye. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, one thing I will say though about Child's Play is that you've always been a Child's Play fan, and coincidentally, you won a Tiffany on the Boardwalk. That's right. This... It was
2: just last week or so. We went yeah. to went to Wildwood for a few hours on July Fourth. Yeah, I won the the least interesting doll in the entire crane full of horror dolls.
1: I wouldn't say least interesting. That horror doll crane machine was awesome. It was. But, I mean, I... they
2: had Sam from Trick or Treat. They you had Jason. Lose. They
1: had Freddy, and then I got pride of Chucky. You could not lose, though, with that one. What I really wanted from that machine was Glenn from Child's Play 3. They had Glenn? Or Child's Play... Was it Seed of Chucky? From Seed of Chucky, right. That's the one I was trying to win. I spent probably about... I think $15 to try to win it those cranes were pretty unforgiving that day oh they were definitely yeah I won on the Ghostbusters one but the horror movie one I think Tiffany was a good choice to I get.
2: feel like the Ghostbusters one you didn't win so much as slip into the spot when I was about to win <laughs> like you know you're supposed to play 10 times for it lets you win once and I was on my ninth stepped away to get some more quarters and then you won
1: <laughs> okay I, yeah. I see where you're going you with got
2: that. an assist if you're going to give yourself credit for that victory you know what? I, th-
1: I wish the machine said, like, the horror machine before you went on said, want to play? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like, it, it looks so bootleg because they have these weirdly Photoshop pictures hanging in the back. It totally was, yeah. You know, like, you know, it's supposed to be Chucky, but it's actually some Halloween costume that they Googled. It was like I printed out for my compact Presario in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, I really wanted that. I wish I could get the crane to grab the fucking poster in the back of the machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Number 5
1: A music of magic the madness
0: the man Michael Jackson Nothing could prepare you for his movie
1: Want everybody to Moonwalker smooth a movie like no other. So Michael Jackson has had a lot of standout moments through time. But in 1988, he had Moonwalker. Uh-huh. Okay, so Moonwalker was a, a like a feature-length movie that had all kinds of different performances and uh, animation and um, they had some claymation all mixed inside of this movie. Right. It's unavailable in the United States to buy. Really? Why is that? I don't know. It's a, it's available everywhere else in the world. Hmm, saucy. Yeah, you could see it on YouTube. So yeah. <laughs> so um, in Moonwalker, there's a portion of the film where Michael sings "Smooth Criminal." Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole storyline involves this crazy. Thing where Joe Pesci is the villain <laughs> Joe
2: Pesci <laughs> yeah. doing a combination of Al Pacino from Dick Tracy and Dennis Hopper from the Super Mario movie yeah. which is even more incredible because <laughs> Moonwalker came up before either of them
1: yeah it is so bizarre though to see Joe Pesci in like a Michael Jackson production you know? yeah
2: and like giving you maximum grade A Joe Pesci yes like doing a parody of himself just screaming <laughs> yeah.
1: screaming his head off yeah when it's like totally not even like appropriate so right. like, like every fucking word. (laughs) the story follows a few kids who are friends with michael jackson and they see michael get attacked by mobsters who work for pesci whose name is ironically mr big oh (laughs) so he's a drug dealer and he's got all these henchmen and he wants to get the entire population of earth addicted to drugs starting with the kids of earth so the kids follow the gang and they eventually see michael turned into a sports car no big right sports car
0: wait a minute okay
2: first of all sorry stop let's stop right here okay i don't think i remember that michael turned into the car (laughs) is that true you
1: know i mean he must have been watching that show in the 80s where the guy turned into the sports car so later on they're inside a nightclub and michael starts singing and dancing to smooth criminal like i mentioned and they kidnap one of the kids who's friends with Michael, and then they all chase them back to Mr. Big's lair. Okay. okay? And this is where business picks up. All right. All of Joe Pesci's goons are surrounding Michael Jackson, and they're about to kill him. They've all got their guns on him. And they've got the kids kidnapped, right? Yeah. And Joe Pesci is hitting this little girl like crazy in the head. What? Like Yeah, he's like hitting her. It's he's crazy. hitting her? Yeah. And he's like telling her to shut up and he's hitting her. That can't and, be. And, Joe and he... Pesci
2: wouldn't sign up for that kind of role.
0: And
1: then he's about to give this kid drugs, so he takes out this giant needle, and he's about to, like, inject her with these drugs. And the line is that Joe Pesci says, this isn't so smooth now, is it? (laughs) 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 So what happens is, minutes later, the sky opens up, and things get really scary looking, and Michael's face... Starts to turn silver into like a robot face and it like opens up like he's predator, but he's a robot. Oh my god, and, yeah, he's he stands up and his
2: whole body starts to turn into a fucking transformer. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> You're so right. I completely forgot about this complete <laughs> lunacy. A lot of
1: people thinking, hey, this is another one of Jay's made up stories. Like the time I had all those creatures in my room and they multiplied when I threw water on them, right? 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 But no. this, this is the real deal. This yeah. is like, yeah, god, can I see it? Yeah, I'm going to send you the link. (laughs) So Pesci's goons shoot at him, right? Yeah. But he creates this purple force field around him, and he starts
2: blasting all these dudes
1: with cannons. And he turns into a fucking spaceship.
2: (laughs) So what is the context here? Like, is, is there rhyme or reason? Or is he just randomly turning into things because he decided he could do that at that point in the movie?
1: I guess he's just fighting
2: the world. But who like, does he play? Drug... Who is he supposed to be in Moonwalker?
1: He's like, um, is
2: he is he Michael Jackson or is he like the Terminator?
1: He's Michael Jackson, but he's like superhuman and he fights gangsters and he fights. So this dru- is like wish fulfillment he, for him. And, yeah, and he fights like drug dealers,
2: so they don't push drugs on the kids. <laughs> it's like he had fifty ideas and decided to just use them all
1: yeah first he he turns into a sports car then a transformer and then into a spaceship and then he ascends into the sky Woo! while joe pesci gets into some laser
2: cannon and starts shooting at him it's, what? Like, it's completely insane all right hold on a second you let me look at this the, hold on a minute see this. Right, let me see what i'm looking for hold on i got the video up but it's like 11 minutes long so let me yeah, jump around have to
1: jump around
2: oh, wow Oh, hold on. I just found something in that timeline that looks like a glowing Michael face. Yeah, you want to go to... Oh, um, I, f- I see it.
1: You want to see his face open up? That's at like... Oh, my
2: God. It's so... Uh, it's he like, looks like a fishy predator.
1: He's like Dot Matrix space Spaceballs.
2: Uh, what is with Pesci's upward ponytail? Yeah, the, uh, the inverted ponytail. The inver- how did they do that? Oh, holy shit, this is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> He, like, turns into Megatron. Now, yeah, he's turning into Megatron. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I, I, I know we're going long, but I need to see how this plays out. <laughs> so this giant spaceship is Michael. yes. How the fuck do I mean... Uh,
1: if anybody wants to know what I want for Christmas, it's the Michael Jackson Transformer. Someone must have done a custom. <laughs> yes. Is that not the most batshit crazy story ever? You know,
2: I have to be honest, like, back then I wasn't really paying attention to Michael and his antics. So, what was the consensus and reaction to this absolute fucking mindfuck? That he was a smooth criminal. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> no, but really...
1: i don't i can't explain michael jackson's uh what uh, did did people were people like floored by this or were they floored by this internationally anything he did was huge right i remember my friends not even giving a crap about
2: it no i feel like in my circles growing up he was to be avoided he wasn't (laughs) one of the cool artists
1: see 88 was already maybe five or six years after some of his huge hits
2: right right and i love this uh look at like old school ninja joe pesci <laughs> I know, I he's like basically playing mafia zod <laughs> he is.
1: shut up don't you talk to me you shut up <laughs> what are you doing?
0: Stop it! number six Your history primate, pizza. so you know
2: i like to work at least one old toy line into these year reviews yeah you got to yeah i got to you got to and since we're talking about 1988 i think most people would expect me to bring up the launch of the ninja turtles is that the first year that they came out uh well i think the cartoon was 87 but the toys were 88 it's one of those things where no matter what argument you want to make you could always find proof Yeah. But let's just assume I'm right, because who gives a shit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But I talk enough about the Ninja Turtles on the Purple Stuff podcast, I think. Mm -hmm. So instead, let's dish about Food Fighters.
1: Food Fighters. Food
2: Fighters. Sweet. Mm, Picture Mm. a G.I. Joe figure, and he's tough, and he's snarling, and he's full (laughs) of muscles, and he's packing heat. Now take that same exact figure and move every single concept into a dude that looked like French fries. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that was my favorite guy.
2: Oh yeah, Fat Frenchie. He was the fucking ruler of the roost.
1: (laughs) He was the coolest.
2: Yeah. So this was a line of action figures from Mattel that was basically G.I. Joe meets food. (laughs) A collection of warring soldiers with everything from hot dogs to ice cream cones turned into these like muscular maniacs. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And they had such great names. They like, had have... uh, Taco Terror, <laughs> uh, Chip the Ripper, Private Pizza. It's like every food fighter sounded like the name of an uh, underground porno. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: that they had like things like juice can bombs. You yeah,
2: know? but you know they had things like that where they were like more of a novelty and a joke. Mm-hmm. But then they had regular fucking guns.
1: Yeah, they had these giant, like, semi-automatic weapons.
2: Right. So they got a wide release, and I think they were pretty much in every toy store. But I mostly remember them from, like, pharmacies.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, from what I, my memories are mostly from the lower tier, like, not necessarily the big stores, but seeing them in, like, Walgreens and stuff.
2: Right. I don't know what it was, but it was, like, Mattel and and all pharmacies had, like, a, a thing mm-hmm. with this line. Yeah, and while it might have been hard to pick Food Fighters over popular toys when you were surrounded by them, yeah, it was way easy when you're in a fucking CVS. <laughs> it was like either Food Fighters or Barnyard Commandos. <laughs>
1: That's a good point. Yeah,
2: like Food Fighters are always gonna win that battle.
1: You're in Odd Lot, and you know you see uh, a pack of French fries with sunglasses on. You're definitely gonna get it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was either the uh, Food Fighters or the 58 count Kratorta crayons. <laughs> or prang (laughs) prang (laughs)
1: so what pissed me off when i was looking at food fighters is that seeing all the stuff that didn't get released (laughs) like the unproduced refrigerator playset. right right they had
2: like the barbecue bomber and all these play sets it's weird that those things weren't created because you would assume that the line didn't do so well if it had stuff left on the table Mm. but i'll tell you when you put a picture of food fighters on social media Oh. It's like people want to fucking marry you. They're
1: actually one of the most highly regarded sets ever.
2: Yeah, I mean, right. like, I always get such a boost of confidence whenever I put up pictures of food fighters. <laughs> it's like whenever you're too bloated for a selfie, go with Sergeant Scoop, because you're going to get 150 fucking likes no matter what the fuck it is. <laughs> and those are words to live by. Yeah. <laughs> Remember these life lessons.
0: Number... Seven. Final days to join Big Tanny for just $13 a month ends Monday, November 3rd.
1: I watched a lot of TV back in 1988, and this pick was me sitting there waiting for a commercial that featured Sheena Easton for a series of health clubs that are across the country. And you happened. say that, you say it so matter-of-factly, like it's no big. So we had the best commercials in the 80s, hands down. No doubt. It's almost not even possible to argue. So when I say best, I mean, you know, we could sit there mesmerized by our computer screens and watch hours and hours of 80s commercials on YouTube. And they're all so good. One commercial in particular was advertising a franchise of health clubs, which were named different things like across the country. Right, right. In, 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 some of them were Vic Tanny's health clubs. Yeah. By us, it was Bally's health clubs right so sheena easton is a scottish pop sensation back then in the 80s and she was just a super hot redhead and in the commercial the song strut has become associated with a health club because it's like she's working out and then she's dancing on stage and whatnot right
2: and well besides that commercial got so much play in every area
1: yeah. It was all over the country and, and there was a difference between a health club back then and a gym now. So like a gym now you think of it's a huge pain in the ass that no one ever wants to go to. Right. There was an appeal to a health club back right. then. Right. You
2: pictured sitting in a hot tub and eating strawberries.
1: It had this prestige. Yeah. It's like you're not going to a gym just to sweat and like work your ass off. You're go it was a social thing. It was
2: like we're gonna be dancing. It was and like the old the old Roman baths where you went and you chilled out.
1: Yeah. You're just like, you're going to be dancing and playing racquetball, and there's lasers. And anyway, in the commercial, there's shots of her gyrating and shaking her butt on stage in one of her concerts. And then it flashes to neon lights, and there's jack it's, dudes it's, flexing. It's you know?
2: very, very, yeah. I mean, we were talking about the moonwalker thing being much. This was yeah. much as well.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: She's racking the peck deck and fly machines. And like, you know,
1: that line from A Christmas Story where he's talking about electric sex gleaming in the window. Yeah. Except this was gleaming in my TV. <laughs> <laughs> in the end, you know, by the time I was like 14, I joined a local health club. And boy, was that a disappointment. Because Wait, so you,
2: Did this yeah. commercial really inspire you to join a health club?
1: I joined this, this health club and everything was like seafoam green and it smelled like chlorine. And I would go into the men's locker room and a bunch of old dudes thought it was a nudist colony oh. yeah it was not my jam but that commercial really summed up to me what a health club was in the 80s you know just listening to that song and the entire first 20 years of my life i heard that song and i thought of
2: going to the gym well let me ask you though yeah. she's doing that provocative dance all throughout yeah did the j of 88 dance along did i, I never know i didn't dance along are you sure because i i see you i've seen you do some things <laughs> And I don't put it past you to have once danced along to the Sheena Easton Bally's Health Club music video. I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. I gotta tell you, every night you should kneel by your bed and thank fucking God that you're six feet with a deep voice. <laughs> So is it just me, or does she look sort of like the possessed Dana from Ghostbusters in she this She totally commercial? does, especially,
1: yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, I thought she was in Ghostbusters. I didn't know if she was Dana or Zool. I
2: didn't know I, if well, she was Well, I totally get like the Dana yeah. vibe, because she's wearing the, almost the same dress, I think. Yeah, there was a definite like vibe to that. Instead of like writhing in bed, she's writhing in the middle of a laser tag arena. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great commercial. Another one, if you're really, like... Particular, very specific, weird picks. It is very weird. Yeah, it's like, where do you pull these things out? I can't fucking remember what I had for lunch.
0: Number eight. We're we're ready. Ready. ready two two. Party. You bring lots of spaghetti. I'm Spanish. Come on in, come to the place where fun never ends. Come on in. It's time to party with Garfield and friends. Siesta, siesta, samba, la bamba, ay caramba!
2: So I think everyone has that one special cartoon that they associate most with Saturday mornings, and for me, it's got to be Garfield and Friends. Uh Aha! Not everyone's (laughs) going to agree. It's good to have dissenting opinions here on the PSP. (laughs) But I gotta tell you, that thing debuted in, I think, September of '88. Yeah. And it immediately became my new favorite thing. I'm not kidding. Like, I was fucking into that show.
1: Well, you know, I used to have all the Garfield books, those, like, rectangular...
2: Yes, and that's what I'm saying. We were ushered in through years and years of book fairs and a Troll Book Club. Yes. We grew up in the era when Garfield still meant something.
1: Yeah, he was a big deal,
2: absolutely. And just a year prior to the show, we had the Christmas special, which, of course, was just the end of the fucking days so good. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, this came out during the peak of Garmania. (laughs) <laughs> gar- as, as, as garmania as i like to call it it was gargantuan it was gargantuan <laughs> <laughs> i mean i fucking you just, even like the newspaper strip like calvin and Hobbes and the far side was my two big things mm-hmm. but garfield was right there with them
1: the strip was big and then the cartoon was good the cartoon had great voice work as well
2: yes it had in the in a stunning twist mm-hmm. tell me if i have this right I, th- yeah, I know where you're going. Well, yeah. Lorenzo Music did the voice of Garfield, but he also did the voice of Peter Venkman. Yeah. And Bill Murray did mm-hmm. the voice of Garfield it's so and bizarre. actually played Peter Venkman. It is so weird. <laughs> it's like the Lincoln Kennedy thing.
1: It is. It's amazing. That's yeah. one,
2: it's one of those things,
1: like, it blows your mind.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, that show was just honestly funny. And it had sort of like this sarcastic, cynical humor that was unusual for Saturday mornings. Yeah. It was a very smart show. Yeah. I mean, I, may, I might be might be overstating the case a little bit, but <laughs> I liked it. He loved lasagna. He loved lasagna, and he hated Mondays.
1: I felt like the cartoon, there was some times when I felt like you can go a little bit snarkier, edgier, maybe on the in the strip well, itself.
2: Compared to what else they were on against. I mean, they had the fucking Smurfs on Channel 2 or whatever. You know, you yeah. didn't need to do much to see him. With it, and edgy and hip. I guess it was hard to position Alf against Garfield. And Alf stuff. Tales, I fucking you know. I, yeah. As much as I loved Alf, his <laughs> cartoons did nothing for me, and I no. felt like it was he was like the fruit and fiber of Saturday morning. <laughs> like he had eighteen different shows going at the same time. <laughs> one thing i didn't realize and i doubt you did either mm-hmm. that fucker went on till 1994
1: it was a long running show
2: yeah well, i think so- it, what was it seven or nine seasons something like that
1: yeah that was definitely a long running show and you don't realize it sometimes you go back and you'll look like holy shit yeah that
2: ran for a long time yeah i mean i yeah. i can't say i was still watching in 94 yeah but wow that's impressive Garfield. go Garfield. yeah <laughs> i think my favorite thing about that pick is how into it you were
0: <laughs> Number nine. <laughs> to be a winner. Be strong, be ready to fight. To be a winner. Be fast. Command the spotlight. Only today's
1: greatest sports heroes make it to starting lineup. Collect baseball's Gary Carter, Eric Davis,
0: and Wally Joyner. To be a winner! Tailed uniforms
1: every home team and their official collect starting lineup each sold separately You'll be a winner. my next pick from 1988 starting lineup action figures were you a collector yeah one of the things that got me was their collectibility factor it was something that i just felt compelled to get like and everybody knows you and i aren't the biggest sports fans in the world yeah i was
2: gonna say i'm surprised that you these figures were based
1: off of all the major sports stars of the time whether it was baseball football basketball hockey and each one came with a collector card and they weren't really like action figures per se But that's
2: the thing though i feel like they were they were as close to action figures as a real life sports figure was up until that point
1: they had only like their arms can move you know you could position them but they didn't. really have any joints or anything like that but well at
2: the same time it's not like you would give a starting lineup figure the fucking throne and gray skull you know you didn't need them (laughs) to do much this kind of they're army builders
1: well that was actually one of the cool things is that you were able to incorporate them into some of the other (laughs) things you did but so like these things really got me and uh like i had so many of them when they came out in 1988 and they were by kenner and they were
2: always listed in those action toy guides, you know? Yeah, and they were out in, like, crazy volume. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you, like, even today, you can get the carded ones so cheap because they're so... Many of them.
1: Yeah. But the fun part, like we said, you could have guys like the Boz in the refrigerator and they would show up in other action figure adventures like wrestling or G.I. Joe as guest
2: stars. Wait, so the fridge was in the Battle Royal at WrestleMania 2.
1: Right. Exactly. And the
2: Boz was in a deodorant commercial wearing blue sunglasses. <laughs> yes. Yes, I fucking knew both references. <laughs> I fucking got them both. And the buzz with the
1: when he puts those sunglasses on at the end of the commercial was like it's basically like 40% of my life's inspiration.
2: Right, right. Oh god, you are. You you do. You're pa- you've patterned your entire life after
1: Buzz. Anything less would be uncivilized. <laughs> This whole starting lineup thing leads into another Jay's dad story because he did something so cool for me regarding these starting lineup figures. So he got this large, like, wooden platform that he painted each side. One side he made to look like a football field, and the other side he made to look like a baseball diamond. And he cut cut out all the starting lineup logos and the NFL logos. and, And the MLB logos, and he made... Basically, like what would be a prototype for a starting lineup playset.
2: You had a starting lineup playset. Yeah, set. yeah. Who and is it was this,
1: it, this man. <laughs> and it
2: was shocking
1: because Kenner didn't do anything like this, considering that it literally could have been a cheap piece of flat plastic or cardboard that you could flip over on each side right. and
2: set up your figures. Yeah. I mean well I guess that's what the line was missing. It was there was nothing yeah. to do with them. Yeah, like they it all came with stands and it's like how fun is standing an action figure up?
1: Yeah, they weren't fun, really, and they, it could have been like a mail-away, you know? It could have been so easy. So a couple times we um, we would set it up and uh, set up the figures and have, like, little games and whatnot. But I, I actually have pictures of this thing that he made for okay, me. Okay, the last going to have
2: to get Instagram. Yeah, right I was, the show.
1: Yeah, it was totally awesome, like, to see something like that. And it wasn't anything that anybody had, so sometimes my friends would come over and see it. Like, hey, where did you get that? <gasps> oh, so cool. Yeah, Where
2: did you get this? <laughs> so what <that> was- store?
0: was <laughs>
1: That's one of the things that always comes to mind when I think of starting lineup figures.
2: Question, though. So mm-hmm. you had the you had a fucking baseball field and a football field. Yeah. Didn't you put, like, Skeletor and fucking Macho Man on it at some point? <laughs> no, but I did take these figures and put them
1: in other things. Like Anytime they had, like, they had Walter Payton at SummerSlam 94, which was, like, later on. Right. But I still was able. I had my collection, so I was able to take some of these guys and use them in, like, wrestling events and stuff like that. Right, or- right.
2: That's pretty- <laughs> For me, like, all of my friends collected them but that was the only toy they collected yeah like they had completely given up on action figures by then yeah so for me it sucks because like the one time i could actually like talk to them about something and have some common ground with the kids in this neighborhood yeah they would only speak the baseball language like they would never send don mattingly to go to war against donatello just was not gonna fucking happen no matter how much i wanted it don versus don yeah the, the battle of the dons <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had one friend in particular. He was such a sports fanatic. It's funny because he would come to my house and see all my starting lineups, but he knew I wasn't like the biggest sports fan. So right. he say, he'd say, "What are you doing with all these?" And he didn't collect toys. Right. So that was funny because we were like the ying and the yang, you know? Because <laughs> I collected toys and he loved sports. So he'd did come he did he give you
2: shit for it because you weren't into it? No, he would just be in awe that I
1: had okay. all these. And I, I think it really is the mark of like, okay, I'm a toy fan. I'm an action figure fan. This is why I collect these. You know, right. it was more so for that. It than had any- nothing
2: to do with their profession or who they were. They could have made them on like the local mailman and you would have gotten the whole set. And your dad would have built you a fucking virtual <laughs> post office out of shoeboxes.
0: <laughs> Number 10. Nintendo, it's for breakfast now! Nintendo, it's a cereal! Wow! Nintendo, Super Mario Jumps! Nintendo, in a fruit-flavored crunch! Nintendo, here's Zelda, 2. Nintendo, it's very good news! Nintendo, mm, you just can't move! Mm. Nintendo cereal system is a super part of this nutritious breakfast! Nintendo, two cereals
2: in one! Wow! A hot new cereal hit supermarket shelves in 1988. Ooh. It was Nintendo's cereal system. Another smash hit from our good friends at Ralston. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this actually was a, a big thing. Yeah,
2: well, you know, we've said some things about Ralston on the show. But this was <laughs> the one time when they did it all. This was the one time they didn't make dog food. <laughs> yeah, this, they, they hit. They fired on all cylinders. Because not just was this a cool-looking cereal, it actually tasted Good. Yes. Each box of Nintendo cereal system had two bags in it. Yep. It had one for Super Mario and one for Zelda. Each of those bags had its own flavor, its own colors, and its own shapes. Mm-hmm. And the box, the cereal box itself, was made to look like an old Nintendo game box. Yes. And this was back in like the glory days of the Nintendo. So. That was like an absolute must-have. You were a kid and you were alive at that point in time. You had to have the cereal. Not only the glory days of Nintendo, but
1: still in the era of really good kids' breakfast cereals.
2: Right. This is when, you know, they were allowed to fill it with whatever kind of sugary crack they wanted to put in to make it taste like chocolate and strawberries. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, so good. I mean, Ralston, the thing was, they usually put 110% into theme and like negative 500% into the flavor. (laughs) And this was like the one time where they just did it all. Everything was perfect. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, they, they had the fruity Mario side mm-hmm. and that tasted just like tricks. Yeah. And then they had like the, the Zelda side, which was like berry flavored or something.
1: Yeah, and I remember getting this, and the one of the coolest things, like you said, it had the two different bags and it had like the piece of cardboard down the middle. Uh, oh yeah. And even though I wasn't a Nintendo kid, I wanted this so bad just because I thought the gimmick was awesome.
2: So I have a question for you. Okay. Have you ever seen the commercial? for this
1: cereal the commercial is so awesome because it gives lyrics to the super mario song
2: but like what's with that commercial like the kids are jumping in and out of video games and their heads are all stuck inside <laughs> of television sets
1: <laughs> i'm gonna play it again yeah
2: seriously like look at it because i'm not joking around it's everything every nintendo thing you can think of is crammed into that
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm putting it on <laughs> Me
0: too.
1: Yeah, they jump into the TV and they're in the video game.
2: Yeah, why they're are heads their heads, heads in TVs. the TV sets? <laughs> look at this. You have animation and. Look to- at this kid with the fucking numbers on his glasses. <laughs> Nintendo. Yeah. The lyrics are amazing.
1: Nintendo.
2: And what do you do after you see a commercial like that when you're a kid in 1988? What is your number one mission in life? You need the cereal.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Mm. Zelda and Mario, they never did any other um variations even though it was just regular
2: like they never did an excite bike cereal right well I, no i can't say that they did an excite bike but they picked the two that made the most sense they could have just been like purple balls in there <laughs> yeah. a, a nintendo cereal was going to sell no matter what yeah so the fact that they not only did one themed cereal they did two at the same time in one fucking box
1: <laughs> but the thing that gets me though there's no marshmallows in it, right?
2: But still, I mean, if you're going to complain about marshmallows when you're getting two different Nintendo cereals in one fucking box, you're just the worst person. <laughs> the worst person. Hey, where's my marshmallows? <laughs> you forgot the marshmallows, Ralston. <laughs> I don't know why I turned into Joe Pesci from the Moonwalker video
0: just now. Shut up! Don't you talk to me.
1: Number
0: 11. Thanks, Mom. I'm so glad Tony loves his mods. Ace, yes.
1: Tony, what you got? I
0: got the mods. What do you got? Uh, I got Blobby's turtle. Give me your
1: breakies. This is Mott snack cups. Apple sauce. Neat little cup. Fun on the run, Cinnamon cinnamon Goodies. OK, OK, uh, I got a skateboard here. What else? Oh, oh. look for the magic rabbit? Deal. Mod six pack, original, natural cinnamon.
0: Yo, Spike, I got the Mott.
1: My last pick is another commercial, Matt, and (laughs) that was a Mott's applesauce commercial, and it basically was a kid He's like a drug dealer gangster trying to like barter to get other stuff, <laughs> stolen I snacks. I'm so glad you brought this commercial out. He's like an Italian kid and he, well, he's he's putting on an Italian accent. Say like a He's like a Guido. Right, right. And he's like, yeah, I got the Matz applesauce. He's you know? running swig. He's on the phone and he's trying to get his friends to give him other stuff. Like, what do you got for me? And the kid's well, like, the, I don't the, know. The, I got a magic rabbit. I got a turtle. Yes,
2: but the thing's the thing. I mean, the implication is that Matzah applesauce is so cool that people will trade their fucking pets for it i get that yeah what happened because of this commercial in my elementary school it kicked off a phenomenon yeah all of us i mean are are you going here okay then you go ahead because i am so glad that i'm not the only person who's had this experience
1: well that's the thing like the idea is that mott's applesauce was like healthy and uncool but this commercial came out And everybody started to buy Mott's applesauce and have it in their lunchbox. Right, but on the
2: same principle of buying, like, ramen or salmon when you're in prison, it was, like, fucking cash. (laughs) (laughs) And it kicked off this whole thing where, like, kids were so into trading their food, even if they didn't have Mott's. Yeah. Like, I'll I'll give you my my extra sips juice box for that sandwich, that that kind of shit.
1: Back then, you know, you may have a little Debbie Brownie. You may have like a bag of chips or something like that. But a lot of times I had as my little bonus in my lunchbox, would be one of these Mott's applesauce snack packs because up until then they didn't have applesauce
2: in snack packs right this was, not, that was the crux of the product launch and then they found this brilliant way to market it
1: yeah and they came up with it because they were competing against like pudding uh snack packs like oh, pudding yeah. and stuff yeah. like that disgusting, Jello,
2: disgusting that's is.
1: yeah it's so, like Jello and pudding were popular and then so Mott's applesauce got into the game and they got this Italian kid wheeler dealer from New York City <laughs> He's like, I got the didn't applesauce. like
2: some kid give him like a skateboard they He had a a pet turtle, a rabbit, and a fucking skateboard. He was willing to give all that for one One thing of Mott's applesauce.
1: It's like he's dealing crystal meth or something, you know? So (laughs) great.
2: I just loved that that like just clued us into this whole concept of uh, bartering and trading. Yeah. Like up until then, it never occurred to me that I could (laughs) trade nonsense for better nonsense. (laughs) And I know it's ridiculous to credit this entire broad concept to a Mott's applesauce commercial,
1: (laughs) but it's where it began for me. When there's a good. Commercial, there's a good twist to it. You really pick up on it. It was like that kid was like, Demone, he was like a kid version of Demone from Fast Times. You know, it's, it's like, but it was like that was the advertising angle for that era. This applesauce stuff, uh, like I said, would be in my real Ghostbusters lunchbox and it came in three different varieties, right? And they were freaking amazing. But I'm not kidding, just talking about this made me want to buy applesauce. So, the, like, last night, that's I how went effective out. it is. Yeah, I, I bought applesauce. I'm really,
2: did you get- want a special flavor, or just straight up a. I bought
1: I bought the three different flavors in the snack. So pack. they still have them. They still have them, and it's basically like you're eating like candy. It's like uh, so good. Yeah. But I mean, I think just talking about it, I feel like there's gonna be like so many people who are gonna want to just buy applesauce because of this.
2: I always considered applesauce to be like a swamp full of sea monkeys. But <laughs> even I'm gonna hang up from this podcast and go run to the store and say. Where are your three packs of Mott's applesauce? Let's be honest, the idea of portable
1: applesauce is amazing because when you because now you
2: don't have to just eat it in the kitchen or the dining room. You could eat it on the go.
1: You can't on a train. You can't fit a four-pound jar of applesauce into your lunchbox.
2: No, and you'll probably if
1: you get caught with that nowadays, they'll flag you.
2: (laughs) But you can bring these little Mott's things anywhere you went getting back to
1: what you were saying the whole idea of this is like the bartering because back then there was something in every friggin' food commercial where somebody was like trading or try okay stovetop they had a commercial like what are you having i'm having this this that what do you have oh stovetop
2: oh i'm coming
1: over yeah just, you're always weighing your options and you're trying to see what's better there was a whole
2: barter culture in the 80s that we need to get to the root of there must have yeah. been something going on in the real world that inspired all of these commercials to <laughs> theme their products around a weird trade system.
1: I just think, like, drug dealers were so popular in the 80s. Like, that was the thing. They were. They were big time. I just really feel like, okay, well, I'm going to deal you something. You don't have any money. What can you give me, you know? You know, like, that might
2: be true because, like, they did sort of position this this little shyster in the commercial like a villain. Yeah. And I
1: got to say, though, back then, like,
2: even though this was a convincing
1: commercial, it was kind of annoying because Mott's is a tri-state area, like a New York company. They put this kid in there sounding like he's from New York or New Jersey, and I'm sure that There's people out there who would think this is God, this kid is so annoying. I used to think it was annoying because everyone in my family talked like that, you know? I mean, it pretty much
2: much much sounds like I do now. I basically sound (laughs) like a five year old trying to do an Italian accent.
1: (laughs) I got the mods.
2: I got the mods.
1: Hey, Ma, I got the mods. I'll take the turtle and the ski board and the hat and the (laughs) rabbits. Who would trade away their magic rabbit? Yeah. So yeah, I heard enough uh, New York, New Jersey accents in my life at the time that I wanted to watch TV and hear people say, uh, do you have any Grey Poupon?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yo, Spike, I got the money. Number 12. This holiday season, Bill Murray gets screwed. I'm the ghost, so don't miss the party. Scrooge. Rated PG-13. It begins Wednesday, November... So I struggled with this
2: one, but in the end, I just couldn't leave it out. Okay. It's Scrooge. Oh, I love Scrooge. Classic. Yeah, Christmas slash comedy slash kind of sort of horror movie. It was a melange. It was a melange of, of magnificence. It really was. And I think for people our age, like we're loyal to Bill Murray almost as much because of this movie as we are because of Ghostbusters. And I know it's going to sound crazy, but I really believe that to be true. Bill Murray, I mean, he was a streak back then. Yeah, but I still feel like there was something about this movie that appealed to kids in a way that adults didn't understand or or even know about because once that fucking movie was on cable
1: oh yeah i it, it, it was like to the point where you know it was on all the time but you were happy that it was coming on right
2: because that, up until that point it would be like the coolest edgiest thing ever for you right right you know it's only pg-13 but it was a pretty hard pg-13 yeah it was a dark film yeah, yeah. so for those five people who have not seen scrooge bill murray plays frank Cross hmm he's like a cynical tv exact who is the movie's ebenezer scrooge right is that how you say it ebenezer yeah yeah okay <laughs> and just like scrooge he gets to meet the three ghosts of christmas mm-hmm. and they had uh the guy who sang hot 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 Yeah. the it, ghost of christmas past david
1: johansson yeah
2: he was fucking awesome in this movie just like completely quotable
1: of the New York Dolls. <laughs> of the New York Dolls, of course. Yeah. And, uh, maybe this
2: movie was only shown in the Tri-State yeah. area as well. I,
1: are, you, are you always, when you talk about David Johansson, you always say, because he's saying hot, hot, because everyone knows him from that. Well, no, yeah, it's yeah. not.
2: I know who the fuck yeah. he is. He yeah. was like, on a lot of TV shows, too. Yeah. The thing is, yeah. he's got a difficult-to-pronounce last name, and since I can't even pronounce remember correctly, <laughs> call me a little slack when I take a side road, all right? Gotcha. All right, so then we had Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas present. Yes. And finally, that huge motherfucking monster yes. as the Ghost of Christmas Future. Oh, my God. He was no joke. He could have stood toe-to-toe with anyone from any horror movie. I right. think it was scary.
1: Scary, especially back then, yeah.
2: And, I mean, that's the thing. They don't really make movies like this anymore. It would either be All the Way R or All the Way PG. It wouldn't be this weird thing that existed in the middle. It was for everyone, even though it clearly really wasn't for everyone.
1: The thing about this film is I always felt like it was, like, sort of ahead of its time. It sort of predicted a lot of what went on in TV. Like, they were trying to mirror TV. There was a lot of themes that you saw in the in that movie, like network and stuff like that. Right. But really what you did see is these channels were like competing and they would do some extreme
2: things sometimes. And this is what happened in this film. You know? Yeah. The the whole backdrop of the movie is that Frank Cross is directing, producing, whatever the fuck. This yeah. This insane live Christmas special mm-hmm. that has like old ladies doing like cannonball stunts and things <laughs> like that. Like just <laughs> and like, you know, you'd see nipples on the dancers and just yeah. wild shit. Yeah. But underneath all these dark elements, mm-hmm. that is one joyful, sweet movie.
1: Especially ends on one, too. Yeah, his crazy yeah.
2: speech, which I actually had no idea. It, that wasn't a loved thing in its time. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize that this movie got maybe kind of little bit mixed reviews in 1988. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I I actually saw this in theaters with my parents, because they yeah. had a habit of dragging me to totally inappropriate movies. Yeah, we I'm saw Like, oh, great, it. there's a whole bit about <laughs> nipples. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like I remember leaving that theater and think, oh, so that's what that's what like adult comedies are like. Yeah. They're like a cross between being really mean and really
1: happy. It wasn't highly regarded when it came out, but when movies come out and they they don't necessarily gain the momentum that you think they deserve, they eventually do. And this is one of those movies that now. It's just as regarded as like it's a Scrooge movie. It's one of these classic it's the same type of tale. It's the same type of story. You're gonna get the ghosts of Christmas Pass and all that stuff. Yeah, that just I gonna mean, have eyeballs falling out of their heads and things y- like that. Yeah, like it's a little it's a modern day telling. And yeah. it's definitely more for our group and and even the younger kids because they're not gonna go back to like the '30s or '40s version of Scrooge, you right? Know, but they're... I
2: have to be honest, I don't know that they're gonna go back to the 1988 version either. <laughs> <laughs> it's like usually when I talk about this stuff, I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is such a cool movie," and I get like some 22 year old me like, "I never fucking saw it. The fuck are you talking about? How old are you? But what, no, how was... high are your pants?" No, they. <laughs>
1: It's, like, so much easier once you say Bill Murray. It's like... Yeah, uh, because he still
2: still has the stroke. He's got the street cred, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, this movie, I mean, I don't know how the public at large views it now, but for me, it's really on the level of Christmas Vacation and Christmas Story. Yeah. Like, I won't watch it as often because it's got some tough moments. Right. But in terms of just liking it overall, it's it's up there.
1: Oh, it's a total classic. And, of course, you probably know my favorite part of the movie um this actually maybe you don't know my favorite part
2: oh i already talked about the
1: nipple scene david johansson plays the taxi cab driver the ghost of christmas past go Go back back to jersey Jersey, you moron moron!
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love that Uh. take me home right now.
1: (laughs) it's been quite a show on the purple stuff we've picked some strange
2: things for this year it's, def- it's offbeat. I, mean, I feel like we must have missed a couple of big things. Oh, definitely. It's the only explanation because, I mean, we're talking about applesauce commercials. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about applesauce commercials. So. Yeah.
1: And, you know, we may revisit it somewhere down the line. Yeah, next week's show or two weeks could be 1988
2: Part 2. Part 2. Part 2. Oh, God, that would almost fit perfectly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, are we are we gonna run down our? our yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I want to pick right. my favorite of yours. I mean, there was uh, there was Elvira and. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yeah, you know where I'm going. There's only yeah. one. There's only one. I can predict yeah. that you're going to be choosing the Mott's Applesauce commercial. Matt's
2: loves Mott's.
1: Hey, Mott, we got the Mott's.
2: <laughs> the Mott's. The Mott's Applesauce. Hey,
1: Mott's Applesauce. Hey, uh,
2: <laughs> there are people who are either too old or too young to have been the proper age to digest this commercial at its peak time. Yeah. But for those who are our age that remember this commercial, they're going to say, you are so right. I, I you are that. so right. This motherfucking Matt's commercial went <laughs> everything to me back then. It changed my whole worldview.
1: <laughs> when I said the Matt's applesauce commercial to you, you really, it's like your eyes lit up. That oh, was, yeah. Yeah. I, and I had no clue. To me, that was
2: more of a dark horse than anything else I picked. No, no. Because, like, it's one of those things where i I don't think many people have thought about it at all. Yeah, like, I don't even think, I mean, I've written about every stupid old topic. I don't know if I've really written more than a paragraph about it. But this was huge, huge back in 1988.
1: <laughs> well, let's see. Do you think you could guess what I'm going to pick on well, yours? Let me say,
2: mm. hmm, I talked about uh, Scrooge. Well, yeah, yeah, Nintendo cereal, Nintendo Scrooge. Cereal, Garfield. Not, it's not going to be Garfield. It's not going to be uh, Food Fighters. Oh, it's definitely not going to be Open Swirlers. Um, I'm going to go with... Child's Play? Yes! Ah! (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: definitely Child's Play. Plus, what's cool about Child's Play, the franchise is still alive and well.
2: Yeah, you know, I didn't want to let the section go too long, but I just have to say, that last movie they did, what was it, Curse of Chucky? Mm Mm-hmm. was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, it's unbelievable to me that a movie, a Child's Play movie was made just a couple of years ago that was as good as the first one in... It was was so perfect.
1: Yeah, it was like they didn't skip a beat. It was like no. Well, they actually they had. I
2: mean, from certain points of view, I liked all the Child's Play movies, every single one of them. But from an objective point of view, you could say that this one skipped a beat, or that one kind of looks like a little bit of a misfire. Curse of Chucky was perfect. Yeah, I I love that they got comedic. A lot of people don't like that. Well, I mean, I'm not going to go into a spoiler thing on Curse of Chucky, because I really think that everyone should see it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they gave you everything. Like, yeah. every vibe. They gave you scary, they gave you funny, and they gave you weird, and they gave you... All the feels. All the feels. Yeah. I wasn't expecting us to end on a big child's play dissertation, <laughs> but... You know. Roll with the punches.
1: My Chucky,
2: my Chucky,
1: my <laughs> wherever chucky. he
2: goes. And then Kid Sister, Kid Sister came in and stole half the commercial. <laughs> kid Sister, you suck. My buddy and Kid Sister, it sold separately
1: from If it was Tiffany, it would be awesome. Yeah.
2: Oh, God, yeah. Really? Well, she was totally based on Kid Sister. That's great. <laughs> Well, it has been the
1: Purple Stuff Podcast, episode 31. Mm -hmm. I'm Jay from The Sexy Armpit. And I'm
2: Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast. When I'm with you, I shake inside. My heart's all tangled, my tongue is tied It's crazy, can walk, can talk, can't eat, can't sleep Oh, I'm in love